This is Inside, a podcast brought to you by The Daily Egyptian. Stay tuned to get the inside scoop on the DE's first print edition of the new year, hosted by AdLab Vice President Gannon McCarty. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Inside Podcast. We're super excited to start season two and to see what this semester holds for the Daily Egyptian. Today, we are joined uh, via Zoom by two very important members of the Daily Egyptian staff, if they wouldn't mind introducing themselves. Um, I'm Kelly Cox. I'm the editor-in-chief of the Daily Egyptian. Hi, I'm Julia Rundleman. I am the interim faculty advisor, managing editor of the Daily Egyptian. I'm actually an alum of SIU and the Daily Egyptian. I graduated from the journalism school um, with my master's degree in 2010, and I worked at the Daily Egyptian for five semesters. Um, and I'm, I'm actually from Southern Illinois, but I lived in uh, New Orleans and Chicago before coming home uh, to go to graduate school. And um, I just love the Daily Egyptian. <laughs> and I think it's a huge asset to the journalism school and um, the entire department. So I hope while I'm here in the interim faculty advisor position that we're able to um, grow and kind of get back to where we used to be as a really, really strong um, daily newspaper that I think the community and the uh, students, faculty, staff at SIU love to read. <clears throat> so before I was a journalist, I was uh, a bartender in, in New Orleans. Um, and then I became a wedding photographer in Chicago. I always loved pictures, but I kind of felt like I was telling the same story over and over again. And I really missed um, politics and current events. So that's why I went back to journalism school. Um, and after school, I, when I graduated, I became a staff photographer back down in Louisiana in Cajun country and worked there for about a year and a half before I was recruited to the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, where I worked for um, almost five years. And I took a buyout. Um, that's like a topic for a whole nother day, <laughs> shrinking newspapers, um, and moved to Richmond, Virginia, where I'm located now. I'm a freelance photojournalist, and so I take assignment from national outlets, um, primarily the Washington Post, the New York Times. Um, I work for some wire agencies like Reuters and occasionally the Associated Press, um, CNN, and basically anyone who's looking for a photo reportage in Central Virginia, uh, I'm available. <laughs> um, so that's what, I, what I'm doing now. Um, I'm going to take a pause from accepting freelance assignment work, and I'm going to be um, in the Daily Egyptian newsroom for the month of February, working with Cali. Um, we have some ideas of things we want to tackle this semester and ways we want to sort of rebuild the foundation for the Daily Egyptian after a really hard COVID-filled semester last, last year. So could you tell them a little bit about your photo that you had that went viral over the summer? Um, so about a week after George Floyd was killed, maybe, maybe a little bit sooner than that, um, you guys saw the protests happening in your area and your state all over the country and Richmond was no exception. 
Um, <clears throat> in Richmond, we are unique in that we were the capital of the Confederacy and probably about, let's say, 50, 40 to 50 years after the end of the Confederacy, um, large monuments to the generals of that war were constructed along what is called Monument Avenue. And that was really the point of a lot of activity for protesters in Virginia. And they started to, you know, graffiti those monuments. And in the end, some of them were toppled. The Jefferson Davis, the president of the Confederacy, um, that statue was toppled um, by protesters. And a lot of them ended up being removed by the city. But um, before that happened, I mentioned that they were graffitied, but the, the point of that was that the statues were starting to be recontextualized and given new meaning by the protesters. So I was on assignment for Reuters on June 5th to go down to the Robert E. Lee Monument, which is by far the largest. It still stands. Um, <clears throat> and just kind of document some of that, re that contextualization that was happening. And I found um, some ballerinas <laughs> and they were striking different poses on the monument. And I spoke to their mother and made not that many, just a few frames of them. And one of them uh, standing in point, which is I've learned as a, as a ballet term where I guess you kind of stand on, I'm gonna get slaughtered if I get this wrong by the ballet community, but where you stand on your, the tips of your toes, you've, you maybe have seen it. And um, they're holding up the black power fist sign. Um, and it, it went viral, which has never really happened to me. <laughs> um, so that was kind of the, the, the biggest thing for me <laughs> that I documented as far as Black Lives Matter goes this last year. So I'll add too that, um, after, I, I don't really stay on my phone too much, you know? And w the day after it went, or the day it was going viral, as it was going viral, I'm kind of like, wow, look, like, look at this, this is crazy. Why are all these people like adding me, like my comments? And my husband was like, why are you all, get in your, why are you in your phone? You're always in your phone. I'm like, no, I think something's happening with this photo. Um, and then, I started to get the emails. I've gotten over 400, maybe now even 500, 600 emails about it. Mostly people loving it. Um, parents saying how much it means to them. How can they get a copy? But with all good things, right? There's always the other side too. And so I got a handful of pretty hellacious um, hate mail. And as that started trickling in, I started to get nervous because the young women in the photo are, four, they're 14 years old, even though you might look at them and think, wow, these are really powerful women, they're, they're young girls. And so I reached out to their mother just to make sure that um, they weren't also receiving this backlash and that they were you know, doing okay. And, um, and they were, I, I, I'm not sure how they shielded themselves from some of that um, vitriol, but uh, that started a relationship um, and now I am good friends with the mothers of those young women and I'm serving on a board on the board of the organization they created Brown Ballerinas for Change. And I know there was talk of uh, the Daily Egyptian and some of their staff going up to DC this past week. Uh, could you explain a little bit about what happened there? 
Yeah, so um, the DE was planning on going to the inauguration, um, but with everything that happened and them closing off the mall and our travel arrangements being canceled, we weren't able to. So a lot of our content was centered around how can we cover the inauguration from home? How can we cover what's going on in DC? So we centered a lot of it around what our Southern Illinois representatives, Mary Miller and Mike Boss were doing um, and just how we could cover some of those angles um, from southern illinois without leaving um julia is there anything you want to add to that yeah i mean ultimately we made a decision based on safety and kind of where risk and reward crossed and because of how much dc was shut down as you guys saw on january 20th as a result of january 6th um we felt that we were not going to get the caliber of story that would justify putting the student journalists in harm's way. Um, so I think what what Callie said is really important is that the way we could serve our community best is by localizing those stories and doing stories that matter. And um, Callie mentioned Boston Miller. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, Callie, but both of them voted to um, not uphold, um, I think like 4 million votes from voters in Arizona and Pennsylvania. And um, I think that's information that constituents need to know. I also would hope this semester at some point that uh, Mike Bost will sit down and give the students an interview. Um, Callie's been asking for just 10 minutes of his time for weeks. And he, and he can't make it for her. And I think it would be a really good example <laughs> for him and important to the readers who are his constituents if, if he would give them that time. Yeah, Miller and Boss were the only two Illinois representatives who voted not to certify the electoral college votes in Arizona and Pennsylvania. And I just think it's important that our readers know that. And also we've contacted them over a dozen times and they just refuse to do interviews with us. I think that's really unfortunate. Speaking of the Mike Boss situation, uh, how do you and your team usually go about getting a hold of local politicians, a little bit higher up politicians, and just people who are generally a little harder to reach? Um, we just try to call them consistently and leave messages and email them um, like, hey, we still want to talk to you. We just let them know that we're still around and we still want to talk to them. And we just try our best to let them know that we're there. Uh, we're their constituents too, and their community wants to hear from them. Callie, you just wrote an article about the recent issue with the SIU Health Center and some concerns that were brought forth by its employees. Uh, can you give us some insight about what that story is about? Yeah, so um, in November, um, just before Thanksgiving break, I believe it was, I would have to go back and check the exact date um, with my emails with them. Um, it was brought up that, that one of the nurses um, tested positive for COVID-19 and the SIU Health Center knew about it. And they failed to tell any of the workers there that this person tested positive for COVID-19 and that the workers may have been exposed. And none of the workers were contacted by the Jackson County Health Department either. And it came up during, um, uh, I think it was a labor council management meeting. I'd also have to check my article for the name of that meeting. Um, 
that this was a concern they had and the Illinois Nurses Association filed a complaint that the Student Health Center didn't conduct conduct tracing and at the, the Student Health Center is still refusing to conduct conduct tracing even though the Illinois Department of Public Health recommends that they do so and the CDC recommends that they do so. Um, so the Illinois Nurses Association is taking it to arbitration and they're going to see what happens. Perfect example of the kind of stellar work that the Daily Egyptian does and can do, um, even in these really hard times where we're not all in the same newsroom and meeting in classes every day. Before you guys go, is there anything else that you guys would like to add? Um, this week's edition is going to have a story about how Illinois might be the first state in the U.S. to eliminate cash bail. Callie, do you want to um, plug that we're hiring? Yeah, we're hiring all positions right now, photographers, ad staff, reporters. Um, we're, we also need a social media manager. So if you're interested, email editor at dailyegyptian.com. Thank you for listening to the first episode of season two of Inside. If you enjoy hearing the stories behind the stories, make sure to subscribe for weekly episodes. To keep up to date with all things Daily Egyptian, visit the website, download the app, and don't forget to pick up the print. Produced by the Saluki Ad Lab. Music by SIU alums and Kevin Lucas.